Chapter 7 of Little Pilgrimages Among the Women Who Have Written Famous Books. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betty B. Little Pilgrimages Among the Women Who Have Written Famous Books by Edward Francis Harkins. Chapter 7 Molly Elliot Sewell when rudyard kipling issued a story with strange characters before it people wondered they wondered still more when they discovered that in o o seven the repertorial hand of the master exhibited a knowledge of steam engines that was as technically correct as that of the man who designed them when seamen read the sea tales of molly elliot sewell they were in the same mental condition as the engineer who read the article with the hieroglyphic heading they marveled it was not the technical knowledge of vessels and the navy alone that made miss sewell's stories so fascinating with that they combined a delicate and romantic touch that was unusual for with the everyday story of the sea there is often a certain roughness that destroys the pleasure of a sensitive reader for this reason one prominent american author has few admirers among the gentler sex an uncle of molly elliot sewell had been in the United States Navy before the Civil War. After the commencement of hostilities, he had resigned to follow the Confederate arms and had served with distinction throughout the four years of open hostilities. From him, she heard in childhood true and glowing accounts of what is known as the Romantic Period of the American Navy, the period when ships still carried a great spread of canvas, when cruises meant long absences of years from home and a naval officer was called upon to meet tremendous emergencies now provided for by the cable and the telegraph. This is what stimulated her to write of Decatur and Summers, of Paul Jones, of Midshipman Paulding, of Quarterdeck and Folksicle, and of Little Jarvis, and the technical knowledge she displayed, like everything she has done, was the result of hard and conscientious mental labor. In 1890, the Youth's Companion, which periodically gives some stimulus to good writing, held out a prize of $500 for the best written story for boys. Miss Sewell's Little Jarvis won the place of honor. It was the story of our Navy and of midshipmen, which is the same patriotic wholesomeness that is possessed by Edward Everett Hale's Man Without a Country, and, as it has nearly as large a circulation today as when first published in book form, there is no doubt that it will have as long and prosperous a career. Miss Sewell's literary life is a curious example of the results of environment. Born in a quaint and long-established Virginian community, Gloucester County, she was brought up in a distinct atmosphere of books and of good literature. Her father was a lawyer of note, and in the great rambling house, the shelter, was a fine old-fashioned library. It included a collection of the English classics and many translations of 18th-century books of French philosophy, which Thomas Jefferson, when minister to France, had selected for her great-grandfather, Judge Tyler, one of the first federal judges appointed under the present system, and for three terms governor of his state. He was a great reader, and his love of books was transmitted to his descendants. As a child, she went to school most irregularly, and had a short term at a fashionable boarding school, where she declares she learned nothing but folly and irreverence. 
At home, the morning hours which other children spent with arithmetic, geography, or science, she passed in making the intimate acquaintance of the library books. Here she met with Shakespeare, an ancient edition of his works with all of Johnson's, Stevens, and Malone's notes, which had been read by several generations of Sewells and showed it, and here also with Volney, with Jean-Jacques Rousseau, and other philosophers whom she approached when in her teens and could not well understand. Her father and mother forbade her to read novels for fear of her getting notions in her head, but while they were strongly denying her such wild delights as Rhoda Broughton and Ouida might furnish, she was imbibing Byron and Shelley with the highest relish. By the time she was fifteen, she knew all they could teach about the emotions, and when novels were allowed her, found them decidedly tame beside her already acquired knowledge of what they were all about. Her mother was devoted to reading from the beginning to the end of her life, and absorbed Shakespeare with a thoroughness that is seldom met with. Every two or three years she would begin deliberately at the first pages of The Tempest, and read through to the last page of Titus Andronicus, and in the same way would read Hume's History of England, Scott's novels, and many other standard works. She was also a systematic peruser of newspapers, and had better knowledge of public affairs than most people in public life. It thus can easily be seen how honestly the daughter came by her love of writing. She was unconsciously but naturally fitted for it, as is the fisherman with many generations of seamen behind him, and a home in Gloucester. Miss Sewell is herself an omnivorous reader. Thackeray, Macaulay, and Jane Austen have been her roast beef and potatoes of artistic creation, although she is passionately fond of biographies. So fond, indeed, of Boswell's Johnson, that one literary acquaintance declares it to be the only book she had really read, because no matter what is the subject of conversation, she is certain to bring in a remark about the celebrated author. Her home is with her sister in a charming house near Dupont Circle, or a millionaire's circle in Washington, and overlooking the gardens of the Spanish legation. It is here that she does her literary work, and in very systematic fashion, for she is of the opinion that the mind can be made to work automatically as well as the body, and we can command our powers more than we can believe. Every morning at half-past nine she retires to her own room, and, while there, writes steadily until the luncheon hour. Books and ideas of books are now discarded until the following day. This work is discontinued from the middle of June until the first of October, when she retires from home, as far away as she can get, and there imbibes fresh ideas for forthcoming romances, while taking a complete rest from literary endeavor. In spite of this habit of yearly travel abroad, she is a thoroughly patriotic American, and has frequently remarked that nothing would induce her to leave her native country without a ticket for the return voyage. Upon every subject upon which she writes, she reads as much as possible, following the example of Thackeray, who said that the Virginians was the resultant of a thousand books, and in her long journeys of investigation to places far from home, she but imitates the method of the great Macaulay, who would sometimes travel a hundred miles to write a single line of description. The scenes of The House of Egremont, which has recently appeared, were laid in France, and in order to obtain the proper material, a special visit was necessary to the country in which the events were laid. The quaint palace of St. Germain, with its terraces and broad gardens, 
was well studied by the author who spent days in rambling about and in absorbing a thorough knowledge of the neighborhood like other authors she has found that to saturate the mind with a certain period is a powerful assistance to the imagination and for this reason she oftentimes has read three or four entire volumes in order to write a story of five thousand words in eighteen ninety five the new york herald offered four prizes one of ten thousand dollars for the best novel one of three thousand dollars for the best novelette one of two thousand dollars for the best short story and one of one thousand dollars for the best epic poem on a subject of american history the first and third prizes were respectively won by mr julian hawthorne and mr edgar fawcett while miss sewell received the money for the best novelette the sprightly romance of marsac and over the heads of two thousand competitors when the news that she had received a three thousand dollar prize reached the old family negroes in gloucester county the darkies magnified the amount ten hundredfold and went about with natural awe and astonishment while solemnly proclaiming mars john sewell's daughter done taken three million dollars for one book the story she considers one of her best productions and it is her best known work with the exception of little jarvis but she has a long list of novels and juveniles to her credit and one play the manuscript of which she was the author made marion an amusing and witty satire on the knickerbocker element in new york society was originally written as a short novel and was subsequently dramatized by miss sewell for rosina vokes who made it a great success lippincott's magazine had the honor of receiving her first literary venture and it was her first literary success for it was accepted the editor who appreciated its merit has however never had the satisfaction of knowing his own keenness and literary foresight for it was signed under an assumed name in fact under a variety of pseudonyms a great number of her earlier stories sketches and articles of all sorts were published in magazines and newspapers where these immature productions are to be found she has never revealed and says she never will and for this reason reckons herself more fortunate than most writers for the criticism which might justly be severe upon this prentice work has had no chance to be expended curiously enough to literature may be ascribed the influence that changed her earlier religious faith when a small girl an aunt who had the reputation of being the best-read woman in the state of virginia warned her that her grandmother who had died many years before her birth had been in youth much unsettled in her religious beliefs by reading the very books to which her descendant was becoming so firmly attached and with which she was spending so much time in the well-fitted library of the shelter the grandmother in question was undoubtedly a woman of uncommon capacity and of restless inquiry and probably a very pronounced agnostic at one time in her life but sorrow and age and physical suffering brought about a change miss sewell's extremely pious aunt always declared that wider experience and a deeper knowledge of life and of books had changed her mother into a devout christian in middle life unlike the experience of her grandmother the result of this reading was to turn miss sewell's thoughts toward religious inquiry instead of in the opposite direction indeed a daring thing for a young girl in a community like that of gloucester county where the episcopal church had been established for nearly three hundred years and where there was a strong survival of the old english idea of church and state 
in her own circle of friends and relatives the young girls were confirmed usually at sixteen or seventeen and their brothers although not frequently particularly pious were expected to be graduated into vestrymen and strict churchmen as their ancestors had been before them in the midst of her reading of mr jefferson's selections of french philosophers she came suddenly across macaulay's essays in his review of rank's history of the popes and in speaking of the catholic church occurs this passage she may still exist in undiminished vigor when some traveller from new zealand shall in the midst of a vast solitude take his stand on a broken arch of london bridge to sketch the ruins of st paul's this impressed her immensely and for the first time she realized the existence of that tremendous community which prefers the moral case of the great roman church the severe blows which macaulay frequently levels at the established church of england in his essay on hallam's constitutional history as well as the admiration which thackeray expressed in nearly all his stories for the catholic religion made a deep impression upon the sensitive mind of such a young girl macaulay or thackeray never dreamed of making a convert to the church of which neither was a member but such indeed was the case a list of some of her more important novels includes the berkeleys and their neighbors throckmorton children of destiny maid marian the history of lady betty stair and the loves of arabella for several years she has been running away from the reputation she made in her juveniles because it interferes with her reputation for more serious work it is for this reason that we have had no further stories of little jarvis and his fellow midshipmen a magazine article which miss sewell once wrote and which was called the absence of the creative faculty in woman had considerable ephemeral fame it was praised attacked and criticized by writers all over the united states and in many european countries certain masculine critics as mr andrew lang who wisely declined to take sides with miss sewell declared that her essay had disproved her own case papa bouchard which the messrs scribner miss sewell's publishers claim will duplicate the success of the sprightly romance of marsac will be published october the first nineteen o one besides this she has a long novel in preparation to be finished early in nineteen o two and which will probably appear under the name of francesca capello End of chapter 7